Well, hello and welcome. I'm in the dark. Hey, um, hey, welcome. My name is Noah McCormick. I'm a student pastor here, and I am not Clayton Chisholm, which is uh, a great, great opportunity that I have that I uh, that I get to not be the pastor. Um, but um, if you want to follow along with our sermon today, what I'm, I'm going to talk about it is on the screen, right there, right there, right there on the sides, all that kind of stuff. Um, I have a hoarse voice because I have bronchitis, and so if um, this is going to sound like the most passionate sermon that has ever been exclaimed ever, because everything I'm trying to say is kind of hard to say. <clears throat> anyway, don't y'all love living in Oklahoma that we get this kind of stuff? Oh, wonderful. Um, who has allergies right, right about now? Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. You sound like me. You sound like me. Um, this time of year comes inside of Oklahoma. It comes at a lot of places, but um, comes as kind of a, uh, I don't know, kind of like a, a feeling in my stomach of I know what's about to happen, and that is tornado season. I, I get excited for it. Um, I have a, a man crush on Travis Meyer, like a bad one, um, and and it, it's it's kind of, it's, it's kind of damaging to my marriage sometimes. I feel like that sometimes he becomes the, my favorite person to watch on TV. Um, I, I feel like th that for everybody. Um, I totally feed into the memes of, of Travis Meyer, like him being on one of those Catholic candles. Uh, that's what I call it anyway. Has, have you seen the picture? You can buy those actually at Kevin Go. Um, they're not paying me to say that, but just saying. Um, but, but Travis Meyer becomes the, the focus of our attention as this side of Oklahoma for a little while. Why? Because we were watching for tornadoes. And tornadoes are, um, I'm just going to be the first, they're kind of exciting. Uh, something, something kind of different and new and the, the, the air is kind of eerie and it kind of gives us that like, ooh, feeling. Um, and we, we, we get inside of this, this mode of being like, okay, there may be a tornado this week. And we don't want to see one because we're like, oh man, that would be horrible. But we kind of do, right? And, and there's two types of people. There's the people who um, they, they hear about the tornado, they, they, they hear the sirens, and then they run to the middle of their house uh, or a bathtub, and they cover themselves with every soft thing inside of their house. And they try to be like one of those eggs in the experiment when they throw it off and tries not to break. Uh, we become that. And our kids become that because we're like, please don't die. And most of the dads inside of here do the opposite of what you're supposed to do. We go to the porch and we watch for the storms and we try to be like, oh, is that a wall cloud? And all of a sudden we're Travis Meyer and we're like, oh no, no, he said it was coming out of the east. Now it's coming out of the east west. You know, I, that's not a real thing, y'all. I'm just trying to make y'all laugh. Um, this is, uh, is going to be a, a rough sermon if you guys please do not laugh when you're supposed to laugh because otherwise it's depressing, I promise you. Um, speaking of depressing, um, tornadoes are depressing. Like, like that's the, this is the most depressing thing ever. Um, because as much as we think they're so cool and so neat, I can say that from my perspective because I've actually never been inside of a tornado where I'm like, oh no, our, our house might actually get sucked up. But, but there's a lot of people inside of this room that whenever I talk about tornadoes and we laugh and we're like, Travis Meyer, you silly goose. You guys aren't laughing. 
<laughs> you know why they're not laughing, teenage boys? Because tornadoes are a real thing. And if you have lived in more when there's a tornado that goes through, or Guthrie 100,000 years ago whenever it got destroyed, or Stroud, or Weatherford, or Joplin, Missouri, you know that the destruction of a tornado is actually, is nothing to be joking about. And, and, and really, we, we, we take light this thing that we're, we're just like, oh, it's tornado, it's tornado, tornado season, tornado season. And um, it's a serious thing. And, and much like the destruction that is left in the wake of a tornado, the same thing happens with depression. We, we are inside of a society that, um, that, that I think there's like, there are all these types of stigmas and I'm not about to like answer every single question, but there's a lot of stigmas that come around depression. And it's a hard subject for us to talk about because we're either depressed or we're hiding that we're depressed. And, and, and sometimes we don't feel depressed and that's good. But a lot of us deal with this. Actually, all of us deal with this because depression is a real thing and it doesn't skirt it inside of the Bible. No, it actually tackles it head on. And it talks about depression. And, and maybe some of you guys grew up in churches where you didn't talk about depression. There was never a sermon on depression and this seems more like a topical thing, but it's an actual thing that people dealt with inside of the Bible. For most of us, we know of this guy named Job inside of the Bible that he had everything and then he lost everything except for his wife, which may actually be like, like, a, like that may, may have been like a punishment as well. That's a bad joke. But honestly... God allowed Job to go through a whole bunch of stuff. And there was even, through all the, the good times and all that, when it's all destroyed and he's in this despair and he's suffering this great loss and devastation, physical illness, his wife says this to him, are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. Why did she say that? Because Job was depressed. Another thing that came out of Job is um, even though he maintained his faithfulness to God, his suffering was, or he still was, was in the, the depths of, of the, the trenches of suffering. So, so this is um, something that he says, Job 3.11 says this, why did I not perish at birth and die as I came out of the womb? Why did he say that? Because he was depressed. Another thing he said was, I have no peace, no quietness, no rest, but only turmoil. Why? Because he was depressed. He also said, I loathe my very life. Therefore, I give free reign to my complaint and speak out in bitterness of my soul because he was depressed. And then finally, he says, terrors overwhelm me. My, my life ebbs away. Days suffering grip me. Night pierces my bones and my gnawing pains never rest. Have you felt that way? Have you felt depressed before? 
And I'm going to say, yeah. The imagery that, that Job kind of highlights is something that we know all too well. And there are other people in the Bible too. Moses, he has this great experience with God. He grabs, he gets these 10 commandments, the tablets, and he goes down and he sees the Israelites are living in sin again and he's depressed. He's so angry he's depressed. And then you've got Jonah that that lived for God and then was was derailed when he he felt like he was derailed when God told him to to do something he didn't want to do. And he tried running away and through some crazy circumstances, he was brought to his enemies and he was supposed to do what God wanted him to do. And after God saved him, saved them, he was depressed. Elijah was depressed. Jeremiah was depressed. And when we're depressed, when we have this feeling of of so much despondency and dejection, we we feel like that we are at a loss and we have nothing left and we've got nothing in the tank and our heart is wrenched for something and we're left depressed, we, we, we give in to this false lie. And this is the lie. In order for God to be God, he must take away my depression. And maybe you're not like this, but I'm sure you are. You have felt like this. I am so depressed, but if God is God, he must take away my depression. That's a lie. God, God doesn't, doesn't just take away depression. And, and, and that's, that's a shock. That's like a knee-jerk reaction, like kick Noah out of the church type of statement. But, um, but we're going to dive into the Bible. We're going we're gonna to see something that, that this lie, it, it damages us. But there's even more hope that comes out of this. So consider somebody else inside of the Bible, David. David was a man after God's own heart, which is what we all strive to be, right? I pray that over the the students all the time. Every Wednesday that I get the chance or Sunday I get the chance, I pray, I say, God, allow us to be men and women after your own hearts or lead us to be men and women after your own hearts. Uh, That that is the, the main goal of what we're shooting for. And David met that goal. He was a man after God's own heart. And in, in, his, in his weakness, we see a lot of ourselves and we're like, thank the Lord he wasn't perfect. But he was called a man after God's own heart. Somewhere between when he was 12 to 18, he was anointed to be king. That's a pretty big deal. And then on top of being anointed to be king, he became a great warrior, which is pretty awesome. And then on top of that, he was a successful musician, which I will never be. And if you're going to be a king and a warrior and a musician, yeah, that's what I think about you. You're too good. God was really good to David. That's what I'm trying to say. And as good as God was to David, he's still inside of David when he's writing the Psalms, he still had so much pain and anguish. His heart cried over his own sin and guilt. And 2 Samuel talks about how he lost his kids, his sons. David, in the midst of all of the amazing things that God did in his life, he had times of depression. 
So how did he tackle it? Well, he wrote this, which is not encouraging. In Psalm 38, 4, it says, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. And what, what, what we see is that in his depression, okay, God, in his depression, we see a, a broken guy that we can relate with. A few chapters later, chapter 42 is what we're gonna deal with today. So if you guys have your Bibles, you can turn to Psalm 42. And in Psalm 42, we get this, this ex-musician, current musician we don't really know that's writing this psalm about his depression. And it goes like this. Some of you have heard it before, but listen up. It says this, as the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Day and night, I only have, or I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of great celebration. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged and I will, but I will remember you. Even from the distant Mount Hermon to the source of the Jordan to, from the land of Mizar. I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. But to each day, the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me and through each night, I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. Oh God, my rock, I cry. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts break my bones. They scoff. Where is this God of yours? Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God and I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. In this passage, we see the cause, the, the, the things of depression. What causes it? So, so when you look at this, we, 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 we take it and we say, okay, this is the most depressing thing I've ever read in my entire life. I mean, because it, the imagery that it gives makes us either empathize or actualize like, like we, we're, we've been there. We have felt the waves that are, that, that are, are rushing over us. We've, we've felt this, this loneliness. We've felt this sadness, this, this heartbreaking, like, like, God, are you against me? Like, why are these people against me? Like, why won't you just deliver me from this? This is a depressing chapter. And, and I, I think that some of you guys hearing this get a little depressed, and I do too. I mean, just honestly, like, this is depressing. 
Because what we're talking about causes de depression. The, the first point, if you guys are writing notes or, or taking notes on your phone, the first thing is that causes depression is change. Verse four says this, my heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. This writer is, is thinking about the good old days and thinking about the things that have to change. And I'm gonna take us all through things that are gonna catch everybody inside of the room. We've got the times that were really, really good, like maybe the time that you gave your life to Jesus and you think to yourself, holy moly, I was so in love with God. And I, 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 I believed in everything inside of the Bible. And I, I, I didn't have any, any doubts at all because I was so enthralled in God's beauty that I was just like, yes, this is wonderful. And then like the world kind of started to hit you and, and you're like, why don't I feel like that anymore? Or as you got older and, and things are, are changing, people are moving away, you're changing. You don't have the desires that you, you once had. Or what, what if, and this is, this is something that, um, unfortunately, like if you have a sibling, like this is something that you, you are dealing with or you have dealt with. And as you get older and, and your parents start to die and you're depressed about that, there, there are these rifts between your siblings and you. And, and time goes by and you, and you think, why? why? Why are things different? Why, why don't I get along with these people that I once loved? And you can fill in the blank on anything. Like change can be depressing. It doesn't have to be. It isn't always. Sometimes it's joyful. But a lot of us, we, we struggle with change. As, as kids grow up and, and they don't, they, they, they don't want to cuddle anymore. I'm, I'm looking at, like, I'm, I'm cuddling Miles as long as he wants me to cuddle him, and Ella won't let me touch her, which is fine. Um, but but the, the truth is, is that, is that we, we, we get sad about these things because there are things inside of this life that we can't, we can't change, and they change. We can't change that they change. So it depresses us. Another thing, number two, something I call enemies gaslight. Check this out. Verse 10 says this, their taunts break my bones. They scoff. Where is this God of yours? And what this is, is this is Satan gaslighting you. And if you don't know what gaslighting is, I've got the definition here. It's to manipulate by psychological means into questioning their own sanity. It is a lie that is so strong that when you hear it, you think, I'm going crazy. And this is what happens with our Christianity, where something happens and we can't see God. It's like, I don't see God in that. And our mind or external forces says, where's your God now? You were so hooting and hollering about Jesus and you were raising your hands. He was like, I raise a hallelujah. And you were crying. It was beautiful, right? And then on Monday morning, you get news that you can't take. It's too big for you. And, and through that news, you, you think to yourself, where is God? Well, it's a lie that he ever left you. But, but we give in to that lie. And, and 
Satan, he, he gaslights us. He, 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 he makes us feel crazy. He makes us feel like that we are unworthy. It may, it's, we're, we're not worthy, but God makes us worthy. And it, it's, it's this huge thing that, that just weighs on us and is damaging. Third thing is this, loneliness. Verse nine says this, oh God, my rock, I cry. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Have you guys ever felt lonely? That, that's my biggest fear, is to be alone. And I'm an extrovert, so you don't like, don't jump to conclusions that you're, that it's like, no, it has to be around people. No, I don't have to be around people. I can't be alone. There's a difference. Like, like I, I, I don't need to be like, like, yeah, awesome, what's up? Yeah, what's up with it? Yeah, what's good with it? I don't have to be like that. I love being like that. It makes me the person that I am. But I just, I don't wanna be alone in this life. I don't wanna be alone in Christianity. I don't wanna be alone inside of my family. I don't want, I don't want uh, to, to be proclaiming something and then feel like that nobody is with me. I don't wanna spend my life talking to my family and saying, saying, you don't understand me. That's that loneliness. I, I don't want to go into this world and, 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 be like, and be like, it's just me against the world. I don't want that. And you don't want that. You want to be with people. You, you, you want people backing you. Even if they're not standing physically near you, you want them, you want to know that you can trust people. You want to know that you're in, in something bigger then something, but when we feel like that the God of the universe has left us, like this guy did, obviously. Oh God, my rock, I cry, why have you forgotten me? And I feel that. I feel that loneliness. And, and that loneliness leads to depression. A great sadness that we can't overcome. The fourth and final thing is uh, stronger tides. I'll explain that in a second, but it kind of explains itself in verse seven. It says this, I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. I'm not sure if you guys have ever been to the ocean. A lot of you guys have, I'm sure. I've been twice and it was fantastic, except for the ocean is the scariest thing I've ever experienced in my entire life. And it's not even the things that are in the ocean. It's being on the edge of land to ocean. That's terrifying. It's so vast. And guess what? It's stronger than I am. And, and, and it doesn't matter how, how hard I push or what kind of barrier I create. The waves are going to break it down. Right? Because where, where the ocean chooses to stop that's where it's gonna stop. And if you are in the way of where it's supposed to stop, you are going to be knocked over. And this is something that, that a lot of us may not have heard a bunch inside of church is, is this the, the way this is about to be said. But if you are feeling like that you are in this depression and you, no matter what you do, you're standing at the edge of the ocean and it is just rushing over you. And the more and more you try to fight against depression, you just keep getting deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper until you're 
face is covered inside of water and you feel like you are drowning because you are drowning and you're spitting out water as fast as fast as fast as you can, but you cannot do that enough because you are depressed. I'm going to give you the okay. You don't need my okay, but I'm going to give you the okay. It's okay to seek medical intervention. Like it is, it is okay. We, we are not so naive to think that God didn't give us doctors and medicine to help us. And I know that the word depression is super triggering for some of you guys because you're like, you don't understand. I am depressed. I, it's not, a, I just get over it, which you've been told before. Just get your mind off of it. It's not that. It is a depression. It is so deep-seated inside of your body. It is a chemical imbalance inside of your head. It's nothing to do with you. It is not your fault. And it is okay to get medical help. I talked to a licensed therapist inside of our area, a Christian licensed therapist, and, and I said, I don't know, I'm, I'm dumb. I'm, I am try, I'm going to try to explain this to people and they're gonna see right through me because I know nothing. So she gave me a statement to read. <laughs> it's pretty good, so listen up. If you are a Christian struggling with depression, you are not alone. And please don't hesitate to get help. No matter the stigma or past views of seeking help for medical or mental health issues, it is not a weakness to get counseling or seek medical treatment. Clinical depression is often caused by chemical imbalances that need to be treated by a psychiatrist. If you're a Christian and you know someone who is clinically depressed, be Jesus to them. Love them where they're at one of the best things you can do is listen to those who are suffering. In our culture, we have gotten away from face-to-face, in-depth conversations, but Jesus showed people their worth by spending time with them and listening. There you go. That person said it a lot more eloquently than I could ever say it. But be Jesus to those people, and if you are struggling, don't, don't wait around to get help. There's, there's a very real result that results from, from most severe depression, and that's suicide, or drug use to, to, to numb things. And with a very real and tested problem and, and, and seen result, and all of us have been affected by somebody who is depressed or didn't talk about it or whatever, we, we, we ought to give the most grace, the most encouragement to those people and give ourselves the most grace and allow ourselves to be the most encouraged. This is the deal. Out of all of these things, that are this tornado of, of depression. There's hope. Just like inside of a, a tornado, you may, not, you may not see the hope. 
If you're looking at a tornado and if you are like me, I, I'm, if tornado's coming, I'm gonna send everybody to the innermost room inside of the tub. But if a tornado chooses to go over my house, there's nothing a tub and some mattresses are gonna do to save my kids and me, right? Like, like if a tornado decides it wants to destroy my house, it's going to destroy my house. The same thing with depression. If it's going to destroy you, it's going to destroy you. Like you, you have nothing you can do to stop it. But what do you do if you're real smart inside of Oklahoma? You buy a stinking storm shelter, right? And when Travis Meyer says, hey, it's time to get in the storm shelter, you don't say, well, better get inside the storm shelter. No, you run to the storm shelter, and what does this writer says, say? He says, as the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. Not, you know when a deer is kind of thirsty a little bit and they're like, oh, I'm thinking about, no. When a deer is longing, is thirsting for water, what does it do? It goes straight for the streams of water. So if you are, if you are, are caught up in depression, what should you do? Well, you should go to the shelter and hope is found inside of that shelter. That's why we go to a shelter because we're like, we need help. We need help. So whether that is going to a doctor or whether that is which you should go to first, going to God and resting in him. Because this is, the, oh goodness gracious, I almost went right past this part and it had been so, so, so much of a loss. Does change cause depression, yes. But guess who never changes? God. In Hebrews 13, eight, it says, Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. So we think that, that change depresses us, but Jesus never changes. His word doesn't change. Does Satan sometimes lie to us? Yes, but guess what? Jesus is the truth. And this seems so simple but it is something that we forget because we are so afraid, so afraid to bring God our biggest issues. And for some of you guys, depression is, your, is the biggest thing that you deal with. This ever longing sadness that you cannot get over. Is it because of change? Well, God doesn't change. Is it because of the lies of, of the enemy? Jesus is the truth. Loneliness, well, quick answer again. God will never leave you, forsake you. It says inside of Deuteronomy 31, six, it says, be strong and courageous, not afraid. For your God will never leave you, forsake you. That's powerful. That's like, that's something you'd pay, pay double for, right? Like, like a God that's personal, and, and but you have that. And also, a cool thing is that he gave us his, his Holy Spirit to help us, to encourage us. We don't have to walk through this, this earth alone, we, like kind of wondering like what to do and how, how to deal with things. No, we have a helper. And then if things are too, too, too strong for you, which they're going to be. 
stronger tides, when you feel like you can't, can't catch your breath. Proverbs 12, 15 says this, a fool's way is right in his own eyes, but whoever listens to counsel is wise. You are not alone. And you're not in this alone. You, you are, and, and with the subject of depression, you are going to deal with it. But there is hope. There's hope inside of the shelter. God is our shelter. And, and we're not called to, to mosey on over to God, but to run. Like a deer pants for water, thirsts for water. To thirst for God, to strive for the things of God, to press into him and every, with everything that we have. And finally, verse 11 says this, why am I discouraged? Some of your Bibles may say, why am I depressed? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God and I will praise him again, my savior, my God. Run to God and place your hope, hope in him. You will not regret it. Let's pray, you guys. Dear God, you're so gracious and so good to us. We thank you for this time. We thank you for the ability you've given us to come and learn to worship you. God, we, we come to you with our depression. Such, such a huge, huge problem. God, I pray that whether it's seeking medical help or it's just for the first time, laying depression down at your feet and saying, God, you're my shelter. I run to you. I place my hope in you. God, I pray that we do that right now, God, that you will encourage us, you'll strengthen us, and that you will lead us by your strong hand, God. We need you. We know that you never change. We know that you are the truth. We know you will never leave us. We know that you've placed people in our lives to be counsel, to be encouraging to us. God, help us. Help us in our arrogance to let go and let you do what only you can do in and through us, God. We love you, Jesus. We trust you. I always give you glory and praise forever and always. Amen. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us for worship here at Central Baptist Church. I hope you really enjoyed Noah's message and I wanted to invite you to come back and watch us or join us next week as I'll be preaching on burnout to finish up this series on being stretched thin. If you made a decision today and you're watching this live, please leave a comment and we would love to connect with you. And if you're watching this later on, you can email any decision that you've made to prayer at cbcowasso.org. But most of all, thank you for being a part of worship with us. And just remember, here at Central Baptist Church, we exist to live for Christ, love people, and make disciples. See you next time.